Hallelujah. Come on, BC. Man, it's great to be in the house this morning. It's great to just be worshiping in these songs that just really, truly speak to what it is of that promise of going home. Man, and, and, and what I love is that that is the anchor to our soul, is to understand that hope, that promise, that guarantee that there will be a day. Church, there will be a day for all of those who've called on the name of Jesus Christ for salvation, for all of those who truly have believed in Jesus Christ, understood what it is to repent, to believe, and in a surrender, and what it really, what it really means to be born again. What it, I know this, man. I know that I'm born again. I know that I'm saved because the beautiful work of the cross, because of what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross. And I love that one of the lines in the song that we were singing today was something about uh, that, that Jesus died uh, like a criminal's death on that tree where criminals are hung, like when you, when you get that picture that Jesus Christ died as a criminal's death, like he was perfectly innocent inside and out. Not that he was not guilty, not that, but he was innocent on his spirit and his soul. He was clean. He never once sinned. Not that he didn't ever commit a criminal act. He never sinned. Huge difference. But yet he hung on a cross where all criminals hang, as an innocent, as in his innocence, he gave it up for us. And church, in that guarantee, and that is if what you believe and know, then the promise is great that you and I one day will be able to be face to face with Jesus and have eternal life and go home with him, which is just, it brings such great peace to know that in all of the temporary, no matter what is taking place right now, no matter what season we're in, man, you can look to the future and say, that's my hope. That, that's my guarantee. That is a promise for me. Man, I know, I know that I have a home in heaven because what Jesus Christ has done for me, and I am safe, and I am born again. And man, it just, it just makes the temporary maybe just go a little quicker. When you realize, man, this is, this is a blink, man. This is just a day, man. This is just a shadow, man. This is just a breath. And no matter where I'm at and what's going on, man, I know that I have a future hope because Jesus Christ put himself on a tree for me. And in that, that is my hope. That is my eternity. And there will be a day, church, I promise you, man, there will be a day that you get to see Jesus face to face and be with him for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and from glory to glory. Come on, give him praise. Church is beautiful. It's amazing. Come on, 11 o'clock. Here we go. Come on. So good to see you this morning at the 11. Man, pumped that you are with us. Thank you for being with us, man. It is truly such a privilege, and I mean this, man. It is an honor. It is a privilege never to be taken lightly that I get to stand before you today and bring word forth, man. This is God's word. Uh, we trust it. We love it. We believe it. We know it's true, and it is such a privilege to stand here today, to be able to present God's word to you. And it has been my prayer all week that we would get it, that this thing would sink, that there would be a seed that just begins to settle within our spirits about what we've been talking about for the last two weeks and into this week, the third week, of what it is to build strong families. A little pregame for the next series, right? This is the pregame for next series. It's going to be about six weeks. I've got myself and two others going to be communicating throughout this series. Uh, this series, as you see by the banner out front, is called Reality Check. 
as, uh, as we know, uh, there is a very real need for a reality check in today's society. And we are going to be hitting such issues such as gender. We're hitting such issues as marriage. We're hitting such issues as sanctity of life. We're hitting such issues as personal holiness. Like, what does that really mean to never be okay with sin? Like, we need a reality check on sin. God hates sin. And sometimes we just need to put things back into perspective, right? We need to put things back into alignment to God's word. What happens when your vehicle gets out of alignment? If you run that vehicle out of alignment where it's always tugging to one side and you can tell, and then all of a sudden you look at your tires and the inside or the outside of your tire is just gone bald and you didn't realize it, but yet you knew, okay, something is out of alignment here. And now because you didn't get to it and now you, you didn't bring it back into alignment, now that, that bald tire and now you got to buy tires and it costs you more than it should have. What happens when you just stay into alignment? And church, this, is, this, this series called Reality Check is going to bring, I believe it's going to bring people back into an alignment with God's word. The longer you stay out of alignment, the more it's going to cost you. The longer you stay out of alignment, the more it's going to cost you. And I have been waiting for this series. I've been excited and preparing for this series. Like I said, I got two other gentlemen. They are preparing for this series. And we are, we are going to bring forth the word and we are going to see this reality check come in and bring people back into an alignment of, of the straight truth of God's word. We just believe this. It's really not complicated, man. It's black and white. It's so simple. It's just this. Let's align ourselves once again with the word of God. And uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be tremendous. One of, the, one of the messages is going to be just today and just how everybody's eyes are down and everybody's in their phone and everybody's on social media and how they are so dis disconnected. There is a very real problem today of people being disconnected. People are in the same room and they're texting each other because they don't know how to talk to one another because they have been so disconnected, completely opposite of how God has created us. God has created us to be communicators, to talkers, to, be, to build relationships and friendships with people. And man, when, when, when kids get out of the house, they don't, know what, they don't know how to function, man. They're just lost because they've just had their head down for their whole time. Like, this is reality check. This is going to be one of the messages. So we are very, very excited. And that kicks off next Sunday, 9 and 11. Don't miss it. Bring somebody. Like, bring somebody. And just let's get this thing back into alignment of God's word. And we're going to see what God will do through reality check. Come on, Psalm 128. Man, this closes us out. And I have just uh, wanted to bring forth just a, a quick little hit, a three-week hit on building strong families according to Psalm 128. God is the architect. God is the designer. God has planned out family. And God designed it to work in such a way of husband, wife, children, brother, and sister. And in that dynamic, that family truly is the priority. Right? What happens when family becomes the priority? And you don't let any contaminants in. You don't let people place their things in. And you see the God's design architectural plan for a man and a woman, for a husband and a wife, to bear children, to raise up children, raise up brothers and sisters. And then he even talks about grandparents, being a grandparent, what that really looks like. Like, I love Psalm 128 because it is just the picture of what it is amazing to build a strong family. To build a strong family. And uh, we are going to do a marriage series after reality check. We're going to get a full-fledged marriage series, which is great for those who are married, great for those who are going to be married, great for those who are single, want to be married. It's going to be one of those series you're not going to want to miss. It's going to build, according to God's word, I think marriage is one of the strongest institutes that, that just screams the glory of God and can be the example to win the lost, right? We're going to talk about that. But let's look at Psalm 128. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity. What a privilege it is 
to be able to present your word. God, I pray for an anointing. I pray for power through your word. God, I pray that our eyes are open to see, our ears will hear what we need to hear today. And God, I pray that our heart would long to respond to it. God, we want to hear your word, and we want to respond to your word today. So God, speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name, come on, amen? Come on, look at this. Psalm 128, verse one. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. We covered this two weeks ago. What does it really mean to, to fear the Lord? What does it look like to have that reverence of God? Uh, Proverbs 8 says, those who fear the Lord will hate evil, pride, and arrogance. Like, if you really have a reverence, respect for God. We talked about it two weeks ago. Everything I think, everything I say, everything I do. Man, that comes into my head, that exits my mouth, and that which comes to my hands and my feet, the things that I do. Man, all of that needs to represent my holy, healthy fear of God. Man, the, the big picture of I see of God. How do I see God? Man, do I, I know that God is all powerful. I know that God is everywhere all at once. I know that God knows all things. He knows what I think. He knows what I say. And he knows and sees what I do. And in that, man, I want to walk in this healthy reverence, man, this holy, healthy fear of God. And this, this was a, a word to the, to the whole family, but even a word to the, to the husbands, as verse 4 says, the man who fears the Lord shall be blessed. So when you see that as husbands, Husbands, we need to lead our families by a healthy, holy fear of God. That your kids should be able to see a reverence within the home for God, an importance for church, an importance for Bible study, an importance for prayer, an importance for that time around the table as you get into the Word. And that may change as even kids get older and out of the house. But what, what was the foundation that was built for your kids? Do they see that reverence and that holy fear of God? That was day one. Last week, we talked about if you're going to be a strong family, you need a strong to be a strong man. Like we talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about how the husband is called to be the provider. He who does not provide for his own family is worse than the unbeliever. Speaking on households and families and husbands. Called to provide. Called to protect. Called to lead. Called to bear responsibility. Called to that place of being accountable. That was all last week. Second week, we talked about being that strong man. What is that masculinity? What is it to say, okay, God, you've called me to be the head of this house. I am the accountable spiritual leader of my home, which does stand true to say you're going to give an account, which we saw even from the very first parents on the earth, Adam and Eve, where Adam had to give an account to Eve's actions. Amazing truth. Amazing truth. And we looked at what it is to build that strong man, to build that strong family, and knowing that I will be held responsible. I am accountable. And man, when that sinks in, it's like, ah, whoo, I go change a couple things. Like, okay, I get it. Like, whether you want to believe it or not, like, it's raining outside. If you don't want to believe that, then walk outside without an umbrella and get soaked. Like, just do that. And when the rain's pelting you in the face, maybe, maybe there'll be an awakening and say, ah, okay, maybe I should have brought an umbrella. Like, whether you want to believe this or not, it rains true that, dude, you will give an account. You will give an account. See scripture at face value and believe it. It's really not complicated. And that was last week. And we encouraged the men, but yet we, we, we got kind of firm as, as we can. Like someone said it perfectly. Men are like a thermos, man. You can drop them. They can dent, pick it up, drink out of it. You're fine. Women are like a wine glass. You drop it, she shatters easy. Like this is, like that's a truth, right? That's a truth. And uh, so we come at the guys like just saying, okay, dudes, like, come on, let's go. Own it, own it, provide, protect. Uh, lead your families, be accountable, and, and be the one who holds responsibility to the temperature of your home, right? Huge, last week. Okay, let's get to this week. Come on. This week, we're going to speak to the wives. 
and to the children, more to the wives, and, and a little bit on the kids. But what happens when you have this Psalm 128? And it speaks, it speaks of, of a wife that just, she thrives. She thrives. Wives, do you feel like you're thriving? I mean, do, do, do you, can, you, can you look at this and say, and say listen, I, I, am, I am like a fruitful vine. The word fruitful means something that's growing, something that's producing, so, something that's bearing fruit. Something that's thriving. That, that, that's what this says about this house that's blessed. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And then it goes right into the family unit. Husbands, wife, children. That's this picture of what can be blessed. And the word blessed, we talked about it two weeks ago. That is that overflowing joy. Overflowing favor of God. That which is good. Blessed is good. It's God's favor. It's being blessed. That, that, that's what this, this whole big picture says. This is what this family unit looks like. And it's blessed. It's overflowing with good. Overflowing with joy. Overflowing with favor. So that looks to the wives. To look at this verse in verse 3. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your wife, again, those who fear the Lord walk in his ways. And then verse 2 speaks of the husbands who are the farmers. You will eat the, the fruit of your hands. That's talking about labor by your hands. It's talking to the husbands, feeding the family by their labor. A lot of, a lot of terms in Scripture was dealt with, with, with farming. So this is dealing with farming, which means labor and work or whatever you're doing to provide. And then I love where it just like, and wives, you shall be a fruitful vine within your house. And then when you see what Psalms 128.3 is speaking of, it's talking about a wife who's thriving, a wife who's growing. A wife who is fruitful. A wife who is productive. It speaks about a woman who knows her plan. It speaks about a woman who knows her call. It speaks about a woman who, who, who understands this is my priority. And it speaks about the husband who's watering his wife. See, Jesus very clearly speaks to this in, in, in Matthew chapter 7. He says very simply, when you talk about fruitful production, when you talk about a fruitful vine, he says, listen, you will know a tree by its fruit. And when you see our wives, you'll know a tree by her fruit. Is she a fruitful vine? For a bad tree bears bad fruit, a good tree bears good fruit. Like I love where this is speaking to that blessed house that is bearing good fruit. That means the roots have to be good. That means the trunk has to be good. That means the, 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 the branches have to be good and healthy where it has to be a good tree. And, and I love where this just reflects the wife. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your wife shall be full of joy. Your wife shall be happy. 
Your wife shall be productive. And that means in her call and in her priority. The wife is going to produce good fruit. And I love even in studying this and just this one word, fruitful. One of the words, it means to thrive. It means to thrive. Man, we should hope. We should hope that we can find this in our homes. That the wives are thriving. They're growing. They're productive. Like the wives are are in this season. And, And please hear me, I understand seasons of life. I understand maybe it's not the best season right now. Maybe there's things that you and your husband are working through, you and your family are working through. Maybe it's just kind of one of those unforeseen things that have taken place in tragedy and you're just, you're etching it out. Man, I don't feel like I'm thriving right now. I don't feel like we're growing right now. I don't feel that productive right now. I don't feel like this is good fruit right now. But watch this, watch this apart. Watch this apart of what thriving means. It means to get through. It means to, to endure. It means to persevere. And in these seasons of perseverance, there is growth. And when you see a wife who picks this up in Psalm 128, who says, and your wife will be a fruitful vine. I love, we're here at Believer's Chapel. It has been our goal from day one. A part of who we are as a church is to build strong families, God's way. It used to be one of our very first, our very first statement on our sign was building strong families and strong relationships. We've never veered from that. Jesus obviously is always the center. It's always about Jesus. But Jesus' divine plan for husband and wife, for man and woman is to be married and in that family, that the family's blessed. So it has been our goal to really look to what is it to build strong family. Everybody wants a strong family. Everybody wants a strong marriage. Everybody wants strong kids. And Psalm 128 just speaks about that blessed house, man. It speaks about a husband and a wife who are doing it right. And in that, there is an abundance of God's goodness and favor within that relationship. And one of the results of that is a wife who is thriving. You know, we, 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 look at, we, look at, we looked at men last week, and we kind of, we men, we kind of took a hit, like from Adam. We saw this last week. We were kind of we rough around the edges and say, dude, you got to pick it up. Like, dude, you're responsible. Like, look at Adam, and Adam and Eve, and Eve took the bite, but yet God came and said, Adam, where are you? And then Adam blamed God and woman, and then woman blamed Satan, and then Satan's just like, ah, God, you're in charge. It was just like this. But the reality is this is for a woman to thrive, there, there is this sense of what means to be joyful, right? And, and as we looked at that men who just weren't doing their thing, man, we just, we just can't get a pass on this for ladies because Proverbs, if you return to Proverbs 31, I want to talk about Proverbs 31, but I'm going to get there in a minute. But when you look at a couple places in Proverbs, uh, there is a warning to, to women who, who don't understand what it is to mean to bear good fruit, what it looks like to thrive, what it looks like to grow, what it looks like to be that fruitful vine. And, it, and the Bible entitles it a contentious woman. 
And again, we'll get more deep into the details of, of husband and wife in our marriage series. But when you look at what Proverbs says, God's advice, God's advice to mankind. And you see it in Proverbs 27, it says this, and a, and a, a constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. Like the word contentious, it means one who loves to quarrel, one who loves to argue, one who's never satisfied. It's like, it's like sandpaper. It's always edgy. That, that's, that's what contention. They got to contend everything, right? They've got to contend everything. Like nothing's ever good. That's, that's this type of woman. That's what Proverbs says. This type of woman, the one who loves to argue, the one who loves to quarrel, the one who loves to complain, the one who's like sandpaper in the relationship, you never get anywhere with them. They're never wrong. Like, th that's, that's it. And, and, and the Bible says it's like a drip on a steady day of rain. And my encouragement is simple. Don't be a drip. Gentlemen, if you're dating a drip, <laughs> don't. I promise you, you hear me say this all the time as your pastor. You will one day marry someone you date. I promise you. And if you're dating a drip and you think it's okay, I promise you, you're going to marry the drip. And then you're going to be like, ah, wow, I didn't see it. Well, you can't blame me because I tell you all the time, you're going to marry somebody that you're dating. Gentlemen, if you're dating a drip, then find someone who's not drippy, right? That, that's just my advice to you according to 27. And, and then uh, I love this. Uh, Chapter 21 gives us uh, a couple more of these amazing examples. And it says this, verse 9, It is better to live in the corner of a roof uh, than to share a house with a contentious woman. Like, okay, um, honey, you coming in today? No, babe, I'm good. Honey, it's snowing outside and you're living on the roof. Ah, better to be up here. I could freeze to death and go home to Jesus than come down for dinner. I'm good. Like, I'm all right, right? Again, it speaks of that that wife who just doesn't live fruitful and joyful, doesn't live thriving, doesn't live in that, that place of joy and happy, doesn't live in that place of blessed, always quarrelsome, always arguing. And the husband is like, I'll freeze to death before I go to dinner. Like, I'm going to be okay. And then the last one, of course, um, same chapter 21, verse 19, it is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. 130 degrees, no water, no food. I'm in a better place. Like what a, That's a terrible marriage. That's a terrible marriage. And last week we talked about that lazy man who doesn't want to work. We talked about that lazy man who won't take responsibility. You can't follow Psalms 128 And expect the husband not to do his God-given responsibility. Or expect the wife to be that fruitful vine. And let's, let's look at it just for a minute. Just as, you, as you're at, at Proverbs 31, many messages, many, many ministries, full-blown ministries come from this one chapter. And we'll, we'll dive into it much deeper during our marriage series. But you have so many ministries, women's ministries, national ministries, all filtered after one chapter in the Bible. It's amazing, really. It's amazing. 
And this one chapter is a reference from a mother's oracle or what a mother would speak to her son who's the king. You understand when the son's the king, the son has it all. He's got everything. He's the king. He lacks nothing. He lacks nothing. He's got everything. And the mom says this, an excellent wife in verse 10, who can find for her worth is far above jewels. And the heart of her husband trusts in her. The mom is speaking to the son saying, hey, son, I know you have it all. But when you find that excellent wife, her value supersedes everything that you have. You think you've got it all. You know what's valuable, son. You know all the rubies. You know all the jewels. You've got all the gold. You've got all the silver. You think you have what's valuable. When you find that excellent wife, her value is far above all the jewels. Church, that's an amazing verse. That's an amazing verse to a wife who's fruitful, to a wife who is productive, to a wife who's full of joy, to a wife who understands her call. And I love this because her, her, her value and her worth is more than all the jewels. Now, wives, I love this because it, it continues and it says in verse 12, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Talk about that fruitful vine. Talk about that which is productive. Talk about that which is joyful. Talk about knowing one of your purposes. And you see, listen, I love my husband and I, and I understand what it is to thrive and man, I want to do him good and not evil all the days of my life. Man, I want to wake up in the morning and say, I want to do him good today. Because you have a husband who wakes up and says, I want to serve my wife today. I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Man, the wife wakes up and says, man, I want to serve my husband today. Man, all I want to do, what can I do that does him good today? How do I do him good today? Could you imagine that marriage right there? The husband wakes up and says, man, how do I serve my wife as Christ served and loved? Man, how, how, how do I serve my husband and do him good all the days of my life. All the days. Today's the day. Wake up, lazy. How do I serve my man today? Man, you want to talk about a marriage that is blessed when the husband is doing his part and the wife is doing her, her part. There is fruit in this. There's value in this. When the husband understands what it means that my wife needs to be that fruitful vine. What are the desires of my wife? What is the call on my wife? Man, what has God anointed my wife with? Where it's my responsibility to feed that into my wife. It's my responsibility to water that vine in my wife that she fulfills the God-given potential that she has. That's on the husband. To look at this and say, okay, I want my wife to be a fruitful vine. I want my wife to thrive. This is God's call on her life. This is where she is anointed. This is her desires. This is what she loves. How do I water that? How do I push that? How do I have conversations with her? Say, honey, listen, I know you love this, and I know you're kind of holding back. What are you holding back for? Where the man comes along, the husband says, man, push. I want you to thrive. What is it when you have a husband who cares more about his wife than he does himself and he pushes her to thrive? He's the one encouraging. He's the one pushing you in that anointing call. He's the one that's watering you. He's the one who gets, who truly, watch this, a husband who loves his wife it brings him such satisfaction and joy to see the wife functioning in her God-given ability. 
and he's pushed and he's watered and he's fed and he's done everything he can to say, I see the call on your life and I see that anointing and I see where you're at and I want to water that and I want to push that and I want to release in such a way that God's calling you to do this, that, or the other thing. And it is the husband because listen, Proverbs 31 isn't just the woman doing nothing. That's not the excellent wife. Proverbs 31 has four times, it says, and her household, and her household, and her household, and her household. You want to know just simply the priority of, of that wife's priority? It's her household. But this is a woman who worked. This is a woman who made and sold clothes. This is a woman who bought and sold land. This was a busy woman, man. She had a job. She had a couple jobs. She was a realtor. She was a seamstress. She was amazing, right? This, this, this woman, all of it was for her household. And one of my favorites is verse 25, and it says this, strength and dignity are her clothing. (laughs) I love it. And she smiles at her future. You talk about a fruitful vine. Man, I want this word thrive to just sit in your spirit today. Are you thriving? It's a potential to thrive. Maybe you're in a season, but you know you're persevering. You know you're enduring. Strength means one that's fearless, one that's bold, one that's courageous, one that's strong. Nowhere does, does God give this, this woman to be less than. Maybe in physical strength, the Bible speaks of a vessel that's less strong as a man in a wrestling tournament or in, in, in arm wrestling, but in value, in worth, in responsibility, fearless, strong, bold, courageous, for strength and dignity. Women, you are worthy of respect. That's what dignity means. To be worthy of respect. And you wear that as clothing. This is just who I am. I am that Proverbs 128 wife. I'm sorry, Psalms 128 wife. I am a fruitful vine. I am thriving. I am growing. I have purpose. I I am productive. I am bearing good fruit because I'm a good tree. My husband waters me and he pushes me and he calls me and he strengthens me. And I am that woman who is fearless and I am bold and I am courageous and I am worthy of respect because I am dignified and I wear it like clothing. And then when all that is wrapped up, And she smiles at her future. Boy, I love that. An excellent wife who knows exactly who she is. Who's fulfilling her purpose. Who's fulfilling her plan. She looks to what's ahead. And she laughs. She looks to her future. And there's joy. And she's smiling. See, that is this beautiful picture of Psalms 128. 
where the husband leads in this holy, healthy fear of God. And the husband is doing his part to nourish and encourage and build. He identifies these amazing gifts within his wife, watering them so she is thriving and she's productive and that she's growing. This is that blessed marriage. This is what it looks like to build a strong family. This is what it looks like in that unit that needs to be protected, that family unit. This is what it looks like in a house that just understands family as a priority. Family as a priority. And then we see in the same verse, your wife should be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children like olive plants around your table. And children like olive plants around your table. Church, what is it to raise up strong children? What is it to raise up children that have lived in your house, that have seen your example as a husband and wife? And I, and I love the picture here, what it means to be an olive plant. Olive plant comes from an olive tree. One of my favorite pictures of scripture, one of my favorite pictures of scripture is Jesus Christ on his face in the olive garden. Right, the Garden of Gethsemane, which is an olive garden. Olive trees all around. And the significance of, of an olive tree, the significance of an olive plant. See, when you see Genesis 8, you know the, the flood story, and you got Noah, and he's driving the big boat. You know, he's not driving nothing, but the wind and the rain and everything's just taking his boat. It starts to settle, sends out one bird, nothing comes back, sends out a dove. And what does the dove bring back? The dove brings back an, an olive plant, an olive leaf. And throughout history, an olive branch is a symbol of peace. And when you understand what, what the, the history is to, to olive trees, like these babies are built for longevity. An olive tree was built for endurance. An olive tree was, was built where, where it can endure a drought. It can endure almost any season. An olive tree can go, the, the oldest olive tree still alive might be over 2,000 years old, built to last. The average age of olive trees is from three to 600 years old. Average age, three to 600 years old. And, and I love the root system of an olive tree where, it, where it, it doesn't go deep at first. It goes, it goes kind of more wide. It goes more horizontal. And the root system just kind of intertwines just a, a little bit underneath the surface. It doesn't go super deep yet, but as it grows and it gets older, then she, she goes down into the ground. And they, there is stability to an olive tree. Amen. When you get this beautiful picture that the Lord has set up for us in Psalm 128, and your children are like olive plants. They are healthy. And they're growing and they, watch this, they have the ability to endure. They have the ability to persevere. Watch this, they're maturing. Because there's a day that your kids leave the house and you look and say, okay, are they going to be able to persevere their own storms? Everybody goes through storms. Will they be able to handle and endure through seasons of life? Do we understand, watch this, when you talk about fruit and vine and when you talk about the olive tree and its branches, like the kids, 
Watch this. Your children are an offshoot of you. Please get the picture here. Your children are an offshoot of that where they came from the trunk, man. They came, they came from the tree. What, what, please hear me. What fruit is the tree bearing? Moms and dads, husbands and wives, what is the example that you are setting or have set for your children? To look at Psalm 128 and say, listen, I, I want this. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, walks in his ways. The husband doing the work and the farming, the wife being a fruitful vine, thriving, and children persevering, enduring, maturing, healthy, growing. That's God's design plan. Then it speaks of grandkids, your children's children, last verse, which brings this thing to full circle. The, apparent, the, the importance of family, the importance of grandparents, the importance of the relationship, the importance of generation to generation to generation to generation. I can't tell you how pumped I am that, that my mom and dad are here, that they're still alive, that they can enjoy their grandchildren. And praise the Lord, one day, maybe their, grand, their great-grandchildren. Like when you understand that picture, that's priority. That's priority. So when you see Psalm 128, Where are we in this? This is the architect's design plan for a blessed house. Where are we in this? And today is about the wives and the children. Where wives are thriving, children are maturing, children are growing strong because they're under a strong strong headship, a strong, a strong family unit, a strong father. And you see the fruit of that as children are that olive plant. And then they're growing. And then they're maturing. And they're living their lives. When a storm comes, they just endure it because the roots and their foundation are right. What a picture. What a picture. Can I have Renee come up, please? She's going to come up, and I've just asked her, like, Renee, would you close this series out? And Renee's just going to come up. She's going to close this series out, and she's just going to pray, and I want her to pray for the wives, children. Man, if we could just please all stand, and then we're going to sing a final song and just kind of, if anybody needs prayer for any reason, man, we would love to pray for you. Just come right up front here, my left, your right. We'd love to pray for you. But I'm just asking as, as Renee reads and as she closes out and as she prays and as we sing, like we've been praying 
throughout the series and praying even this week. God, that this would, the word is a seed, church. It's a seed. And we just pray, let the seed be planted and let it grow. Let it grow. If we need to change, I beg you change. If you need to ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. You need to repent, repent. If you need to say, I'm sorry, say you're sorry. You need to look at one another and say, oh, we're good. We'll get through this. It's going to be all right. Husbands, you want your wives to thrive. You benefit. When your wife is in that place that she's thriving and growing, you benefit. Come on, Renee, would you please just pray? Read and pray and you close out when you want to. I just want to read 2 Corinthians 12, 9 because it speaks of supernatural strength and divine strength that comes from Christ. And it says, uh, these are the Lord's words, and it says, my grace, my favor, and loving kindness, mercy is enough for you. It is sufficient against anything, any danger to bear the trouble. For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weaknesses. Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses that the strength and power of Christ, the Messiah, may rest, pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased. Take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships. For when I am weak in my inner strength, in my human strength, then I am truly strong. I am able, powerful in divine strength. So, Lord, we just pray, God, we thank you, Lord, for your divine power, your strength, Lord, that is made strong in our weaknesses, Lord. I pray over every woman, every wife in this place, God, that, Lord, your power, your divine strength, Father, would just cover each and every woman, Lord, that you would cover like a tent, Father, that you would protect your Holy Spirit would watch over every woman, every wife. We thank you for marriage, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you ordain marriage, Father. That you say whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. We pray, God, that your favor will cover every marriage like a shield, Father. That, God, you cover us, that you go before us, that you watch over us, that you protect us and our families and our children, Lord. That, Father, you say the righteous are blessed and their children are mighty in the land. So we pray for your protection, Lord. We ask, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness to be just flowing, overflowing in our families, Father. That you, God, will bring provision for all that we need, Father. That, God we will have that divine strength that's made perfect in our weaknesses, Lord. That, God, you will show great mercy upon us, Lord. That, Lord, you will watch over us, that you will send your angels to protect us, Lord. 
We thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Lord. We pray, God, we thank you, Lord, that you're working all things together for our good, for your glory, Lord, for your kingdom. And so we just thank you, God. We thank you for the blessing, Lord. We thank you for the blessing of families, Lord, that you will strengthen us and help us, Lord that, God, we will just trust you, that you will fill us with all hope, Father, and that we will laugh and smile, Lord God, that we have a great hope and a great future, God, and that your hand will guide us, your hand will prosper us, and we just thank you. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.